Hi there, I'm Adam Young, editor of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, and this is The Lead. In this weekly podcast, we highlight some of the big stories impacting Lubbock and the South Plains. I visit with a few of our reporters. We talk a bit about what they're working on and stories they expect to share in the coming days. So let's get started. Joined today by the Avalanche Journal's business reporter, Alana Edgen, and our trends and breaking news reporter, Mateo Rosiles. Alana, I know you've got a story, a couple of them that you're working on in the coming days um, that are kind of agricultural meets business. Yes, I actually found a couple of interesting stories while I was going through social medias. They are going to be involving a couple that has started a new milling business, and that's M-I-L. They're actually going to be milling flour and they have contracts out with local farmers they get the grains they need mill it and they actually do that to order so it will allow people to have a local healthier stone milled bread flour and they're also working on a blend for new moms so what applications would that have i guess just probably home kitchens and things like that sure and you can probably use it for bread and it's going to be healthier than the enriched or the bleached that you can find in stores it'll be a better way to support even more local businesses and supporting more local farms understood and then also on that note you've got this uh, new faith to farm uh, business that's opening and you think you're visiting with them this week yeah that'll be a couple weeks out because they're hoping to open in june so i'm hoping to have a story with them and a meeting with them in may but what's interesting is they actually have a location out in Idaloo, and they are going to be having a location here. So we're going to see kind of what they do, what they offer, and what they're going to be bringing to the community. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. It seems like a good one to go uh, maybe get a tour of at some point. Yes, I'm quite excited, and I'm hoping that we can even get a video of for Revival Mill, getting a video of them actually milling the grain and seeing what that process is like. Thanks for following up on those. And then, Mateo, I know you have been visiting with our uh, recent, our new freshman state representative, uh, Carl Tepper. Yeah, Carl yep. Tepper, mm-hmm. um, regarding the, uh, the DEI bills that he's filed. And he's uh, been, you know, for a freshman uh, state rep, he's been very vocal, kind of uh, led the debate on that. What, what were your takeaways from your visit with him? Yeah, so me and him kind of sat down the other day just to talk about the bills that he's introduced. Like, he's introduced three main bills of his. The first one is House Bill 3164, and that one's to end DEI offices at all public university institutions. Um, so that's cutting out the office of DEI here at Texas Tech. Um, and that's the office that Carol Sumner, Dr. Carol Sumner, vice president for DEI at Tech, oversees. Um, so and he wants to cut that out of all the um, public state universities because he says that he doesn't see them as useful at this point anymore. Um, the name is kind of how he says it is the name is kind of a misnomer. It sounds nice and nice, sounds helpful, but in reality, it really doesn't do much for the um, universities. Um, and he also made the claim that it really hasn't helped change the student population and the diversity of that student population, and even as well as the um, faculty population. Um, we did pull the numbers for that, and that claim is somewhat true as we, uh, we pull the numbers from the last 10 years. So for Hispanic students in 2012, um, it made up around 18% of the population for students. And now in 2022, it made up to 26% of the population. Whereas the black and African American student population and the Asian population of students virtually stay the same. It, there is no significant increase, if anything, probably one point, but not enough to 
justify um, calling it a big change for that um, for those ethnicities. Um, and the same goes for the faculty population. There's not a significant change. So there is some um, validation to his what he is saying, but also we know that these offices support other projects and other initiatives across campus. Um, so we kind of discussed that and kind of what his thoughts are and how he hopes moving forward and what, if anything, can change these offices if they stick around. So that's kind of where we're going with that story. Now, obviously, uh, Representative Tepper is, you know, focused on a, a number of issues going in, uh, into this session. But, you know, that, I don't recall uh, you know, that being a big talking point in the uh, 2022 campaign um, when he was uh, um, buying for office. Do, do, do any idea what's kind of inspired this or why he's wanting to, uh, why he's making this, uh, 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 what, why he's passionate about this mm -hmm. issue? Yeah, so I actually definitely did ask him that question. And he said that when he ran for um, this office, he did touch on these issues, but didn't solely focus on Office of DEI at the time. But now that he's in office, this is one of the big um, issues that he is leading the debate on. But he said that it kind of almost personal to him and also just um, hearing what's going around the nation. Um, of course, personally, he had a daughter that he was dropping off at a summer camp at a university and they asked her her pronouns. And he thought at the time his daughter was I think he said 10 or um, 12 years old, and he thought that was highly inappropriate. He's like, he doesn't care if there are students out there or there's individual children out there that have to go through this process of identifying as other pronouns as they want, but he doesn't feel like it should be, oh, let me ask everyone. Um, so that's where he kind of felt kind of um, passionate about this issue, but also just going, what's going around the nation, what's going on in Florida and Tennessee and Nashville. And um, so it's just all these other environmental factors that he said that we might have to look at um, these offices and what they're doing and how much money is actually going into them and if they're necessary in this state. Understood. And then, and then in a different facet of the Texas Tech campus, you've uh, been working just as part of the university's centennial year, uh, various features and stories on some tech traditions. I know you had one on the Victory Bells that's coming out this week. Uh, what were your takeaways from that? Yeah, so I got to interview the president of the Saddle Tramp um, organization at Texas Tech, and he took me up on a uh, bell tower tour, and it was really cool just getting to see the bells in person. I didn't realize there were two bells. Um, there's a much bigger one and then a much smaller one that they ring um, after every victory at Texas Tech. And he talked me to, through it of like, there's 107 steps taking um, up towards taking it up towards the bells and then 106 down. And he said the reason why there's a difference in that is because the first step to the bell tower is um, that victory. So the first step is a victory step um, to climb that bell tower. So I really thought That's that good. was that was very interesting. And I never knew that. And I'm a Texas Tech um, graduate and I just learned a lot more history than I was there at school. So I just kind of like this one. It's also just something that's very familiar to Texas Tech and Raiderland. Like every time you might be driving down Broadway or down university and passing Tech campus and at 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. you're going to hear the victory bells ringing because some sort of athletic event um, had a victory or there was a big achievement by an alumni or someone in the Texas Tech community. So so they do it for non, uh, I guess, sports wins too? Oh, yes. Um, so I know um, this past weekend, the Texas Tech Alumni Association actually has something called the ring ceremony. So you can purchase your official ring through the university. And what they do is they place these rings underneath the bells and ring the bells for 30 minutes. 
And it's supposed to, the legend has is it's supposed to infuse these rings with um, victory to make sure that you always remember your home away from home. So I need to get some victory infused in various aspects of my life. I know. I just <laughs> want to ask them, like, can I put a pin down there or like something and just take it back after you ring the bells? But put it in my shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that's kind of like what we're looking at. And we got some really great uh, pictures from that as well. Yeah, looking forward to seeing that this week, mm -hmm. Mateo. And then I know last week you had a uh, fun tour that Alana passed up on. We uh, was just as a chamber member. We were able to go visit the um, Lubbock Uncorked, yeah, yeah Lubbock Uncorked Festival. Um, and you were eager to uh, check that out. Uh, this, this is a kind of a wine tasting event showcasing Texas and regional wines, right? Yes. So it was really a fascinating event. It was held at the Windmill Museum. And, so, um, and you remember your experience? Yes, I do. So I, that's do. Good. I do. I uh, do. I got to taste a lot of different wines. Like I think they gave us 10, if I remember correctly, 10 tickets um, to try like one ounce pours of different wines from different vineyards. And each vineyard had different wines that they specialize in. Um, so I got to try one from Plainview and Loveland and all across um, this region. It was just so interesting seeing this huge facility house so many different vendors and to get to taste like what they're known for. Um, so I kind of like expanded my wine tasting palette um, a little bit. I realized that I am leaning more towards the white dries now instead of the red and the sweet reds as I used to in the past. So it just was a really fun event to kind of mingle around with um, other Lubbock people, kind of hearing what they um, liked and what they recommended. Any good snacks of that? There was a few. There was a few good snacks. Um, they had some barbecue place, and I totally forgot the name of the barbecue place, but it was really fun. Understood. The, obviously, that seems like that's more of the kind of event that, that would be in your wheelhouse too, Elena. But have you been to any? Have you sampled some of our local wines in the almost year that you've been here? I've had a couple. I'm hoping to try out some more once we get more into wine season. And I was out that weekend with my brothers to go see the Dungeons and Dragons movie. So. Understood. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, thank you all for joining me. Thank you. thank you. There's a lot going on around our community, and we love your story ideas and tips. Please feel free to reach out to me at ayoung at lubbockonline.com, give me a call, or hit me up on social media. Here's hoping the week ahead brings great news and developments to Lubbock in our area. The lead is produced with the help of the Avalanche Journal's trends and breaking news reporter Mateo Rusilis and photo editor Annie Rice. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to checking back in with you next week.